Yes, yes. I am back to do another podcast for you all. It has been a minute. A lot has happened in the world, um, in the gaming space, and outside the gaming space, and has affected all of our day-to-day lives. Uh, We're living in some weird, weird times right now, and, you know, I felt like now was a better time than ever to do finally come back and do another podcast um hopefully this means i will start getting more consistent with doing these podcasts uh don't hold me to that though uh still trying to figure things out but without further ado it is july 19th 2020 i'm ready to do another podcast And first and foremost, we have to talk about the fact that the PS5 was revealed last month. Um, Big news. Uh, They didn't just reveal what the console looked like. It was more more to show off games that are coming down the road. Some that that look to be PS5 exclusives. If not, just look to be for the next-gen consoles themselves. PS5 and Xbox Series X. Uh, One of the games that we know is coming that is going to be a PS5 exclusive is Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I'm excited for. Um, It's hard to get, like, super excited for it because we just saw a CGI trailer, but it it is one of those things I do, I am very much looking forward to. It's not a sequel, though. Uh, This is a standalone kind of expansion. It is kind of like what they did with that infamous first light game a few years back works the same way it's standalone you can buy a separate copy of it to play it uh i don't know i thought i heard somewhere that it wasn't a ps5 exclusive and you can't get this for ps4 Uh, but i don't i haven't been able to find anything concrete on that so spider-man miles morales that does come out later this year around the launch of ps5 Sadly, though, I don't even know if I can't, I'm going to get a PS5 because they didn't give us a damn price. I'm really getting sick and tired of not knowing how much these next-gen consoles are going to cost because, honestly, I don't want multiple consoles. I would just like to have that one console and then my PC and my Switch. Just make it simple. I don't need 50 different consoles laying around my apartment or anything, so... I would really appreciate it if Sony and Microsoft could stop playing this weird game of chicken they got going on and just give us their prices. Um, that way, you know, we can maybe make a better educated uh, decision on which console to buy later this year. Um, but what else did they show? They showed Horizon 2, which is exciting. I was a big fan of the first game. Uh, can't wait to see if there's any real innovation with this one horizon horizon zero dawn was a fun game but gameplay wise it didn't innovate on anything it just took a lot of what other open world games did so hopefully with this not only will we get to see a continuation of aloy's story but also get to see some new advancements because i think the way they took those other elements from different open world games and utilized them for their game was very impressive. So I would like to see them innovate on some of that. Uh, it looks very interesting too because like there's that beach setting that we saw in the CGI trailer for it and she was riding the uh, weird 
robot cat thing. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Uh, we also got to see a new Ratchet and Clank finally. Uh, I think the last Ratchet and Clank was that sort of reboot slash remake that they did during the like a, it came out around the same time as the movie. So finally we have a new or a new Ratchet and Clank. I won't say Assassin's Creed, a new Ratchet and Clank to continue the story onward, and it's called Rift Apart, which that I think was the most impressive thing I saw during their live stream was their presentation for Ratchet and Clank. Um, it was interesting to watch them like fly through all these different rifts, at, and supposedly that was running in game, I think, from what I've heard, that was running in game, so it was really cool to see how smooth it was it was while they flew through each rift to the next world um, so that game looks very interesting overall the ps5 reveal event was more about the games than it was the hardware uh, they showed us they did show us what the console looked like they showed us some peripherals um, but for the most part it was more about showing games that are coming down the pipeline um, a game that I don't think we're going to probably see again for a while is Horizon 2. That game feels like it might be end of next year to early 2022. Ratchet and Clank is a, that, that's a hard one to say. We could honestly, I could see that game coming out like mid 2021, but really the only game that I think they said that we, um, we'll get this year was Spider-Man Miles Morales and that's coming out holiday 2020 uh, no specific release date much like the PS5 but supposedly that is going to be a launch title for the PS5 uh, which it's not a complete 100% like oh I need the PS5 for that game at launch especially if it's not a um PS4 game as well and it's strictly a PS5 exclusive it's not something that's going to uh, like completely make me want a PS5 at day one but it is a little bit more incentive to get one so overall I think PS5's event was a lot better and, uh, than the Xbox event we had early June although from what I heard the Xbox event wasn't really meant to be much Xbox more of just them showing off games but even then like no, nothing Xbox showed during their event really got me interested um, we got to see Valhalla but we barely saw any of the new Assassin's Creed during their event so I wasn't really completely sold on Valhalla <laughs> um, I love Odyssey I love Origins I love that franchise but that game just during the Xbox event, it didn't do much for me. But, so I, I'd say right now for me, Sony does have an edge over Microsoft. I just need to know how much this console is going to cost. Because if it's not too much, maybe I can pick it up day, not maybe day one, but dirt around the release window rather than waiting until May of 2021. So, right now I just PlayStation might have an advantage, but really I'm just I need a price point for these consoles at this point. I'm tired of this game of chicken that these two are playing with one another. Uh, moving on though, that 
we also just had a Ubisoft event because if you didn't know there is a global pandemic E3 got shut down um, and canceled for this year so Jeff Keighley who runs the Game Awards every December decided to do a big online summer-wide event where he's having different developers and companies come in and do these live streams to show off what they have um and we just had ubisoft's last sunday i do believe and it was honestly kind of boring i i really felt bored i didn't finish the full thing uh, the only game I really went in there wanting to see was Assassin's Creed Valhalla because we were told that we'd see gameplay during the Xbox event and when you hear you're going to see gameplay you're expecting to actually see true gameplay of either something that was pre-recorded in the offices or somebody during the live stream play that game but really what we got was just in-game footage. Uh, so that was the only game I was really truly excited to see and I have to say what we did see of Valhalla in their live stream didn't impress me it, it, if anything it made me worried for the game because we have it it looks to be more action heavy than even Odyssey was a lot of people tell me like they couldn't do Odyssey because it felt too action oriented rather than feeling stealthy. Uh, but Valhalla very much feels more action oriented. Like you're not going to really be sneaking around these people. You're going to just be running in head first bashing them with two shields. Because if you didn't know you can dual wield two weapons in Assassin's Creed Valhalla and those two weapons you wield can be two shields so you can run up and bash people with shields to kill them which is it's interesting but i want to see more stealth mechanics from them than i do just straight out going in and running in because for me odyssey i played mostly stealthy in both odyssey and origins until I'd fuck up in a fort, and then I'd probably, I'd, I'd most likely just run in and finish it off. But for the most part, I played stealthy through those games, and this game doesn't, they haven't shown anything to make me feel like this game is utilizing stealth over action. Um, another thing that worries me is, after watching a few content creators make videos where they got three to four hours with the game you have a stamina bar now which is an interesting choice for an assassin's game i don't really know what ubisoft was thinking with this i think it's a very bad move just based off of the way gameplay is in an assassin's creed game stamina bars are really i i can't see a world in which that's gonna work while you're in the middle of a big battle with 10 different people and you have this small little stamina bar that who knows you might be able to upgrade so it depletes less I would like to see maybe if they decide to keep this stamina bar all the way up to lunch maybe do something where you can turn on a mode that it plays more like an Assassin's Creed game rather than like this weird Assassin's 
um, Bloodborne Dark Souls hybrid. Because that's really what I got from it was ever since Origins, they've gone with a more com or a more Dark Souls inspired combat, and so that it's worked for them. But I don't think the utilization of us. Stamina bar is going to work how they think it is for an Assassin's game. I think it'll. I think this might be the most polarizing Assassin's Creed game we have to date. Uh, it is. Well, it is worth noting though that a lot of these content creators got builds where they don't know how old they were. Um, a good video to check out is the Black Hokage. He did a very excellent video on this. <clears throat> Hold on. He did a really excellent video on his three hours with the game and brought up some valid points behind it. And so I highly recommend going over and checking out the Black Okage's video on Valhalla. Because for me, this game is looking a little spooky. A lot of what he pointed out during his time with it is a lot of my worries about this game. So I highly recommend going and checking out his video if you want to see actual footage of the game um you can also check out i believe obviously like people like GameSpot and ign got foot uh got hands on time with it um other youtubers did so really you can just go on youtube look up assassin's creed valhalla gameplay i'm sure you'll easily find anything you can on it um moving on though we also got a little more knowledge about watchdogs legion which is a very interesting game for me uh, I really like Watch Dogs 2, didn't care for Watch Dogs 1, and Watch Dogs Legion looks to have, it's finally found its identity on what this game wants to be, and the idea that you can play as anybody is something that was very interesting to me when it got announced. Um, my first thought process was, well, how are you going to make this work story-wise? Because obviously it would be very easy of just, oh, just go out and recruit people for the story. But I'm very much into storytelling. Uh, and so I want my stories to be compelling. I want them to draw, draw me in somehow. And my worry was, how are you going to do that when everybody is my main character? So it's still very interesting. The gameplay looks really nice. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks like Ubisoft went with the if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of mentality because it from what I've seen it looks like Watch Dogs 2 but just uh, improved upon so Watch Dogs Legion looks honestly a lot better than Valhalla does for me and I really can't wait for Watch Dogs Legion I'm still super excited for this game and I hope to god that by the time it comes out, my worries about the story elements of this game aren't going to be negative, and I really hope they do find a way to make it work. But really, we don't, we still don't have too much on this game. All I can do is base it off of watching other people play the time they got with that game, sitting down with the developers. So it it looks like a very solid game and a solid sequel to Watch Dogs 2 and I'm excited I think it's going to be very interesting to play as anybody um, 
I've seen or heard a lot of people say like playing as anybody doesn't really feel repetitive at all every character you can pick always will have something that differentiates them from another so that's very good to hear and I'm excited for Watch Dogs Legion we still don't have a release date uh, we do for Valhalla and I'll come back to that because it lines up with another game that I want to talk about but another thing Ubisoft did this happened before their press conference but they released a battle royale game because we don't have enough apparently so they released another one and it's called hyperscape or hyperspace and it is weird i haven't yet played it myself uh, i didn't know if i was going to because i'm not the biggest battle royale fan and this one just looks weird uh, you have from what it looks like you have different abilities um, there's abilities you can pick up on the map for like defense or rushing in it looks very interest interesting it looks very fast paced uh, I do plan on playing some more so maybe after I do get some hands-on time with it I'll revisit this in a later episode but just so you know there is a new Ubisoft BR game called hyperspace if you're interested, um, it's free and it's in a beta state right now. So if you're interested, I would download it and try it. I'm definitely going to maybe play a couple rounds and then revisit this game in a later episode. And then finally with Ubisoft, they <laughs> I feel so bad for them, but at the same time, I can't help but think that they do this on purpose because Far Cry 6 got a... Uh, got leaked I think it was three or four days before their event uh, this doesn't really do much for me I wasn't a fan of Far Cry 5 I thought that game was kind of boring and I never finished it um, so Far Cry 6 doesn't do much for me but maybe it does for you uh, but yes so there's a new Far Cry coming uh, we didn't really get a whole lot on it I don't think we did at least, like I said, I got kind of bored with Ubisoft's presentation, turned it off. Um, so, yes, if you're excited or if you're a Far Cry fan, Far Cry 6 is real and it is coming eventually. But that's really all I have to say about Ubisoft. They, For the most part, their presentation kind of sucked. It was maybe a C at best for me. PlayStation was, their presentation was a B, Microsoft's was probably another C. Um, they didn't really do anything that got me excited. Watch Dogs Legion I was already excited for, and it just, it's good to see more, and it's good to see that my worries aren't, don't appear to be reality. So, yeah, Ubisoft, C, maybe C plus at best, but that's all I got to say about Ubisoft. The other game I want to talk about is Cyberpunk 2077. This is my most anticipated game this year. It looks incredible. It looks innovating. I can't wait for this game. But it got delayed again. Uh, it is now coming out. It was supposed to come out in April this year. Uh, got delayed till September. And now is coming out in November. And one thing that worries me about Assassin's Creed Valhalla 
is it got revealed that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming out in November, and it's only coming out a few short days before Cyberpunk. And I, if Cyberpunk does actually come out finally, I don't see Valhalla competing with it, so that was my other worry with Valhalla was I don't see a world in which that game can directly compete with something like Cyberpunk. But yes, so Cyberpunk did get delayed. We did get a live stream from CD Projekt Red a couple weeks back, and they showed off a new mode. I don't remember what it was called exactly, but it kind of made me think about the detective mode or whatever it was in the Arkham games. Uh, it kind of made me like feel like that, but it, it looked real interesting. You can go into this weird detective style mode where you're retracing steps of these people to figure out what happened so it's very interesting uh, we got to see more of the world learn about um, how you'll start the game when you create your character you have three different backgrounds to pick from and depending on that background it depends on how you start your game so my journey might start differently from yours depending on what kind of background we pick so that's it's another layer of that RPG um, elements that just make me even more excited for this game. Uh, I can't wait. I hope to God it finally comes out. But yes, it is now coming out in November. And I believe, let me look it up. I believe it is like November 17th. Uh, let's see. November 19th. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla. is the 17th so I'm a little worried about Valhalla um, obviously I believe that some dedicated Assassin's Creed fans will already be getting Valhalla I already have it pre-ordered I will be getting it I will also be getting Cyberpunk however I think Cyberpunk or I think Valhalla might take a back seat because of Cyberpunk and I think Valhalla is going to suffer in its sales because of Cyberpunk but I would like to know what game, if you're picking up one of these games, which one it would be. And which one you're more excited for. Personally, even though I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan, I am way more excited for Cyberpunk 2077. I cannot wait for that game. It looks amazing. And I hope it's... I'm, I hope that all these delays really mean that we will get a fully realized and polished game. But moving on, we also got more information and saw more from that Avengers game that was announced a while back. This game I wasn't too hyped for for a very long time. I, After seeing it, I kind of was just whatever about it. Um, back when it was releasing next to Cyberpunk, I was like, well, I'm not buying Avengers if Cyberpunk comes out next to it. But now that... Uh, Avengers seems to have a pretty nice spot where it is. It doesn't have any huge contenders for its spot. I'm a little more excited. It looks really fun. Um, the customization and the upgrading looks very intuitive. And it really looks like you can play any way you want. I was also very excited that they announced that one of the most obscure and ridiculous villains in the Marvel Universe is the main villain, uh, that being MODOK, who 
the way I describe it to everybody is he is just a floating head on a chair. Obviously, he does have feet and legs, but that's the way I describe him to people. He's ridiculous. He's kind of a weird villain. I am so excited he is the main villain for this game. It honestly makes me more excited for this game to see Modok. Oh, not this dry. But yeah, Marvel's Avengers looks really fun. I very much implore you to go look at that live stream because they showed a lot and all the different things you can do with friends or even solo. Um, it makes me really kind of excited to play this game and try it. Uh, I don't know which one of the characters I'm most excited to play though. Iron Man looks fun. Hulk looks very fun. But like... It doesn't look very fun to play as Black Widow. It might be. Who knows? I, I don't. But she was the one I thought I'd like to see the most. But after seeing, I don't know. Uh, they all look very fun and unique in their own ways. And I think, honestly, if I had to pick, I think Thor might be my f like the one I'm most anticipated to play as. He just looks very interesting. Going from ground attacks to flying in the air to slamming down and spraying lightning everywhere it looks very interesting so marvel's avengers comes out in september still can't wait for that game definitely can't wait to play co-op but a game that i have already started playing that came out recently is sucker punch's new game and this ghost of tushima was announced I don't remember it was announced a while back and we actually haven't seen a game from sucker punch since what infamous second son on the when the ps4 launched so it's been a while and this game that this is not a review it is my first impressions i'm very early still in the game but this game already has blown me away it looks beautiful uh you can really tell there's a lot of love and care brought into this game um, the voice acting I haven't listened to the English voice acting but the J Japanese voice acting is incredible it's absolutely amazing um, every character I've ran into so far that I've heard speak sounds really good I typically don't play with the Japanese voice acting I usually or like just another language voice acting with subtitles I usually play with English voice acting so this was one of those games that was very rare for me to turn on the Jap Japanese voice acting with English subtitles. But I'm so glad I did. Um, another pl uh, pro about this game was the black and white mode that they have to make it feel like you're playing an old school samurai movie was genius. It adds this whole nother layer while you're playing the game. And the way it has the lines kind of like crackling through the screen and all that it just adds another layer while you're playing to playing the game so right now where it stands i am loving ghost of Tsushima. i can't wait to get further in the combat takes some getting used to um there's no lock on when you're fighting so it's kind of more directional based but i found that sometimes it doesn't follow the direction I want it to correctly and just does whatever it wants to in a sense. 
so it gets kind of annoying at times the camera can be very annoying as well um, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't feel like it moves with you like a, a normal camera does and I'll be running and the camera's just stuck on the side of me or I'll be fighting and I'll be trying to attack somebody next to me but because of my camera he goes off and attacks in the completely opposite direction. So little things like that get kind of annoying. Um, maybe it just takes time to get used to and over time it'll get better. Kosa Doshima is very solid. Um, we'll have to, I don't know when I'll be able to beat this game. It is an open world game so it'll probably take me a while. but. First impressions are solid. They're, it, it's a fun game. It's beautiful to look at. It also, I want to point out before I move on, it has the best photo mode I've ever used in a video game. I have very much enjoyed using the photo mode in this game because it allows you to keep on the like animation of the wind blowing the trees or in the grass around. You can change the effect so like you can make it falling ash come down and I've enjoyed turning off the HUD for the photo mode it allows you to also put music in the background and put that music in the background then record like a couple seconds or a few seconds of that with the music in the background and it just this photo mode's incredible <laughs> I found myself stopping a lot to use it in different situations so uh that also might cause me to take some time in beating this game. But that's enough on Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I will hopefully beat it soon and have my full review up soon. But so far, I'm loving this game. I can't wait to get further into it and see what else it has. But we have a game that I don't need to give you first impressions on. I can give you a review on. And it is a game that I have... I don't feel like I've seen the gaming community be so vocal or so at odds with one another for a very long time, but that's Last of Us Part 2. Uh, this game, I, I love the first one. Let me start off by saying I love the first one. It is a very good game. I thought the storytelling was great. The characters are fun. You understand why Joel does what he does at the end of the game. Spoilers if you haven't played it, but if you haven't played Last of Us 1 by now, you're probably not going to. Joel saves Ellie from the Fireflies who are going to kill her to make a cure. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you understand why he does what he does, but at the same time, you also have to think, like, he just doomed humanity. And so, those repercussions come back for him in this game, and... I, I don't know about everybody else. I felt that Joel's death was something very predictable. It, it felt very much like, oh, this is absolutely going to happen in a sequel. I should probably say spoilers before that, but I already said it. But for the rest of this, there will be spoilers in this review. So if you do want to play Last of Us 2, uh, go play it, come back, and then listen. Um, but yes, there will be spoilers. Uh, and I felt Joel's death was very 
much something that I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna happen. It's predictable. I just didn't know when in the story. I wasn't sure if it was gonna happen at the beginning or that was going to be like a midpoint of the game. Like Joe and Ellie go off to do something else because of something and then halfway through Joel dies and that was going to be like the catalyst for the back half of the game but it happens very early that is the catalyst for her going off to Seattle Uh, this is a revenge tale which I don't have an issue with I'm okay with telling a revenge story but it just the way this one was told left me feeling dissatisfied and I want to get in I have quite a few cons and then a a few pros that kind of have underlining cons to them as well but I want to get into these cons Uh, the first one is the pacing in this game is incredibly slow Uh, it was it was pretty bad not gonna lie I felt myself a lot of the times going through different sequences just not feeling anything and just wanting that sequence to be over. Um, The story just continues to drag on and on. And by the time I finished the game, I felt I didn't didn't feel anything about it. I just was like, oh, okay, it's over. Cool. Time to move on. And so pacing was slow um gameplay in this game is nothing new the gameplay is very much just last of us one repackaged into a sequel Uh, a sequel that very much just feels because of the gameplay feels like last of us 1.5 it doesn't feel like a sequel in terms of gameplay Uh, really the only new mechanic they added to the gameplay is adding tall grass throughout the world that you can crouch in or a little bit shorter grass that you'd have to lay down on your stomach to hide in um it was a it was a fun little thing to add into this world it made sneaking around easier or just better overall But, but that being said that's not a feature that really felt innovating or didn't feel like it added too much of an extra layer of depth to the game. A lot of times I felt myself not being able to do it because I'd end up screwing myself over in the end. Maybe that's just me and I'm just apparently truly bad at stealth games, which I am, but um, yeah. So stealth, it it was fun. It added another layer, a a small layer of depth, but over time, the further you go into the story, it just gets old. Um, it just feels like another boring mechanic. Um, Abby is the villain. She is the daughter to the doctor Joel kills, and the same doctor who is going, the only doctor who can operate on Ellie and make a cure from Ellie. And he's the one that Joel kills. And Abby is shoehorned in and retconned in as his daughter which fine so now it's not only a revenge tale for ellie but it's also abby's revenge tale tale and 
that felt lazy to me. It felt very lazy to just retcon her in as the doctor's daughter. I would have preferred to see something else. Um, maybe she, she's just another firefly who, you know, was pissed off at Joel. Maybe they're just all that group, they're all the group of fireflies that are just pissed off that Joel did this. Um, I think it's, it's pretty lazy and it's too easy of a cop-out to make her his daughter. So Abby wants revenge on Joel for killing her dad and screwing over humanity, which makes sense. Like, Joel doomed humanity by killing them and saving Ellie. And so I, her motives make complete sense. I understand them. But I just felt myself not interested in her story that much. I will say her... This goes to a pro, but... Her sequences were honestly more fun, though. Like, even though I didn't care necessarily about Abby herself as much, her sequences, when I played as her, felt more engaging, and I actually had more fun playing as Abby than I did Ellie. Which is pretty bad when you think about it, because Ellie should be our protagonist. She should be the person that we have the most emotional attachment to, because we saw her all for an entire game previously. We just got introduced to this character who killed another character we love. So, um, that, that was an interesting choice to do. Like, I felt like Abby got a lot more big set pieces and bit more action set pieces. Just ones that really made me feel like I was playing this game and not just watching a movie. Another con, though, that I have down is more like story and character than anything else. But Ellie is the exact same through this entire game. I don't ever feel like she changed through this experience. Even though by the end of the game, Abby is let free by Ellie to go off and live a different live a life away from her. I don't feel like Ellie really changed. I don't believe that. Um, and it really sucks because we saw Abby do the same to her. And so you get this. But the only difference is Abby truly didn't want to hurt Ellie or anybody else. She just wanted Joel. Once Joel was dead, she fucked off and said bye. And so... <laughs> I believe Abby when she lets Ellie go in the movie theater, but I don't believe Ellie when she does it at the very end of the game. And I think it's stupid that Abby walks free from Ellie, Ellie doesn't get that revenge then, and she doesn't even at the end of the game. I feel like that makes the entire last portion that you play in California completely pointless. I would have much rather preferred that be the last interaction with Ellie and Abby and then there is a sequence on the farm where Ellie is living with Dina, who we'll get into, but she lives with Dina, and Dina was pregnant, gave birth to this kid, and they have a family together on this farm. I would have much preferred that be an epilogue to the story. Like, you could have done so much more with that sequence, maybe do a couple moments with that sequence of... Ellie and Dina trying to balance this life in this post-apocalyptic world full of 
clickers and weird fungus zombie things and show that Ellie changed in that epilogue rather than having her not change and then by the end of the story she just once again Abby just walks off it it just left me feeling like the entire time I played this game the entire I think 23 to 24 hours I put into this game were worthless um, I don't feel like I gained anything from it Another, but I want to move on. Another con I have is Dina, but I have a con for Dina in different reasons. I think she was a fine character for story and to try to push some kind of development with Ellie, even though it doesn't work. But other other times when Dina's not being a something to help drive the story or drive some kind of character depth she's just another boring npc um it really felt like dina was her entire reason for being in this story was to try to have some humanity for ellie but it doesn't work And ultimately, I, I didn't hate Dina. I rather actually liked Dina. I just wish her, her character was dealt, or her character was handled differently. Um, so really, if anything, I was more disappointed with how they handled Dina than anything. Um, another con I have is flashbacks. There are flashbacks in this game. It takes the span of five days in Seattle um, and every time you end a sequence or end a day they cut it by interjecting a random flashback which goes back to why the pacing felt off these a flashback every time a day ends really made the pacing just take a step back and get choppy and the only flashback that I really cared about was when Ellie found out what Joel did in Seattle all those years ago. It was the only flashback that was really, aside from the one at the very end, which we'll, I'll get to, that was the only one that really felt worth knowing. Um, that being said, they were still fun, but it didn't really work with the overall storytelling. It really hurt the storytelling, if anything. Um, so flashbacks weren't really I don't think they were a completely good call the only ones that work are the very end of the game and Ellie finding out what Joel did those are the only ones I felt that really worked in this game they even do flashbacks for Abby sequences so it's not just something they do for Ellie they do it for Abby as well to try and humanize her more so flashbacks were a terrible call don't think they should have all the all the flashbacks should have been i don't think all of the flashbacks should have been in there uh i think really i think it would have been fine if it was just the one showing us how ellie found out about joel what joel did and then we see uh the day joel killed abby's father i think those two flashbacks and the final one at the end should have been the only flashbacks in the game. 
but speaking of the one at the end, that one I really enjoyed. It was really different. It was more human, and you got to see that Ellie was so pissed off at Joel because he took a moment for her to have meaning in her life. He took it away from her, and she resented him for that. She knew she could have saved the human race, and Joel took that away from her. So she resented him, but you see that she was willing to try to forgive him, and that happened right before he died. And so it it really worked to bring home that idea of forgiveness. I just wish the forgiveness they tried to show Ellie give Abby worked better, because I don't buy it <laughs> by the end of the game. Um, but more a con closer to gaming related, I have two more, but the first one is most of the enemies in this game feel like bullet sponges. I can't tell you how many times I loaded maybe six of my bullets into a person. It got utterly ridiculous. Even after upgrading damage and recoil and all the upgrades I could possibly do throughout my playthrough, there were so many enemy types that felt just like bullet sponges to make that sequence take longer than it should have. So that was a big negative for me. I, I got really frustrating by the end of the game where I didn't care anymore. I just wanted to beat it because I wanted to know how the game ended. Um... And then another, my last con that I have on my list is clickers. Um, there were multiple times where I was hiding, I didn't move, uh, they couldn't, the clickers can't see, they use sound, so if you make too much noise, they'll run at you. But I was, I had so many times where I'd be hiding somewhere, and I'd go to move while the clicker was turned the other way, and I'd move very slowly nothing in my path, not making a single sound, and it would turn, scream, and run at me, and I'd die. Um, so that got really frustrating as well. It made stealth moments very frustrating. But yeah, that is my final con. Uh, to end this review, I want to end it with some pros. The game looks amazing. Like, the game looks really good. There's a couple times where it looked spotty, but for the most part, this game looked good through my entire playthrough. Didn't really have, it's running at 30 frames, but it didn't really, I didn't feel or notice too many frame rate drops. So through most of my playthrough, the game looked and ran pretty good, even though my PlayStation sounded like it was about to sprout some wings and fly away. Um, my complaints about sneaking aside, when I was successful in sneaking around an entire area and using the grass effectively in getting around enemies, that did start to feel more satisfying, especially the further you get into the game and the more enemy types you have to deal with in an area. Because there might be an area where you're having to worry about the human people attacking you but also there's a group of infected coming from this direction. And so like you had to try to stealth your way through the humans and the infected. And so when you were able to do that successfully, that did feel very rewarding. And then my last pro is Ellie and Dina. They, they 
I truly do believe their relationship, despite my feelings about the way Dina's character was ha handled and the way I felt about Ellie being handled in this game, I did feel like their relationship was something I believed. It is this very conflicting relationship they kind of have, and I felt like it worked for the most part, but those two as separate characters in this game did not. I felt like they needed to be in that kind of relationship for them to work, which is a con in itself. Um, I do really wish that Dina was given more, because most of this game, she's uh, she's just absent. She, Ellie finds out she's pregnant, and she's just absent for most of the game, and you really see her for a couple seconds in a cutscene for the most part. So I felt they could have done more with those two in this game. Overall, though, Last of Us Part 2, letdown. The game was a very big letdown for me. I don't understand the 10s out of 10s that this game was getting because this it's not that great story-wise and gameplay-wise. Um, I honestly gave this game a 4.5 out of 10. I felt by the end of this game, I was just happy I was done which I don't like to feel about a game. I don't want to feel like, oh, cool, finally I'm done with this game. Time to go play something else. I want to finish a game and feel like that game meant something or was worth playing. I didn't feel that when I finished Last of Us. So if I had to... Rec I could still recommend this game to people who played Last of Us and liked Last of Us, but I don't recommend this game at $60. I, I'd recommend you wait and pick this game up when it drops to $40 or even $30. Uh, there's no way I could recommend you picking this up at $60. So those are my thoughts on Last of Us 2. Um, please, if you played it, go to Twitter, at me, at DementedGamer, at me, and tell me what you thought. Because I'm very interested. This game has been very polarizing for a lot of people um it has really felt like you either love this game or you either hate this game and so if you played it please talk to me on twitter and tell me like what you thought about this game because i'm very interested to know but moving on uh we have some movies and tv stuff to talk about because i've been watching a couple things um there's been a couple like interesting news stories to come out about a movie with Zendaya and John David Washington, who, if you don't know, he played the Black Detective in Black Klansman, which is a phenomenal movie. But to start this off, I want to talk about the Harley Quinn cartoon on DC Universe, because that, it just wrapped up last month. Its second season just wrapped. And that cartoon is one of the funniest heartbreaking and just batshit crazy cartoons I have watched in a very long time. It takes everything you love about the Harley Quinn character and does it perfectly. It executes her character perfectly. And her relationship with Poison Ivy over the last two seasons has just been this roller coaster of 
will they, won't they, but in a fun, interesting way. So Harley Quinn, I highly recommend. It just wrapped. Uh, I think it's coming to HBO Max. So you don't have to get the DC Universe app. You can just get HBO Max to watch it. But I highly recommend you do. Kaylee Cuoco does a phenomenal job as Harley. And I can't wait to I can't wait for season three. Um, the second show I want to talk about is Stargirl on DC Universe and CW. It was done by Jeff Johns, who also created the character. And this show is a shining light for DC TV shows. It is fun and campy in the best way possible. Like, think back, if you've watched The Flash, think back to The Flash's first season, or the second season even. It was so fun and just, you had characters like Cisco making jokes. And it does that perfectly while also being real human and down to earth and dealing with what it's like to be a teenage girl in high school. Or at least what I think, I don't know. But it does it so perfectly and blends all those elements together. I, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see how this season ends and where this show goes. So if you haven't, if you can watch it on the CW. You don't even have to sign up for anything. You can watch it on CW, but I highly recommend you watch Stargirl. Um, and then, last two things, both have, uh, or no, one's a movie, the other's TV. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, I started, I finished this show this year, and I read something that they scrapped their first four episodes about because they wanted to talk about how um, things like the George Floyd protests and how all these things would affect that world of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and that for me makes it real interesting because when you have a show about cops and in the climate and our society's climate today how does that affect them? What does that do to this precinct in New York after a man is murdered in cold blood on, and the world has seen it and the world has erupted in protests and riots? And so I'm very interested to know what they do. They said they had four episodes in the can and they scrapped all four to rewrite it to focus on telling a story that deals with the aftermath of the George Floyd protests and the Breonna Taylor protests. So it makes me more excited for Brooklyn Nine-Nine season eight. I feel like it's going to take a very much, a very dark turn. And I think there's still gonna be humor, but I think we're gonna see a much darker tone for season eight than what we're used to. Um, And then finally, my last topic of the episode actually is Zendaya and John David Washington made a movie in the middle of quarantine. Um, I'm very interested to know what this movie is exactly. And I I can't wait to see it because supposedly what they did was they had this house, this secluded house, where everybody who worked on the film in the field quarantined for two weeks before and after 
taking COVID tests before and after. They were not allowed to leave this house once they were there until filming was over. And then they would go and quarantine again. And so, like, the process that they took to make this movie is very interesting in the fact that they did it in a time that is so unprecedented. Um, makes me that much more interested to see how the finished product looks. And the fact that they use actors like Zendaya and John David Washington, who are huge stars now, makes me even more interested, interested to see it. So... I'm interested to see that movie. I'm interested to see season eight of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, go watch Harley Quinn because that show needs more love. Uh, I want to see them keep doing this show, and that only helps if people are watching. Same with Stargirl. Go watch both of those. And that is it for this episode of Mendicast. I hope to get more um, episodes out more frequently, uh, get more consistent with it. That being said, peace.